Today, I'm speaking with technology leaders about the Apple Vision Pro, major artificial intelligence news, robot cafe baristas, and more. We'll be discussing virtual reality, the UK Prime Minister, the future of job interviews, and beyond. And make sure that you stick around until the end of this podcast to witness one of the craziest AI technologies that you have ever seen. Welcome back to the podcast. Podcast. Uh, first up, we've got the Apple Vision Pro headset. Uh, we'll show a quick uh, clip on the screen for those watching on video. So this is a mixed reality headset recently announced and available for purchase early 2024. It's Apple's first major product launch since the watch back in 2015. It uses no controllers. It uses eye tracking. It's got hand tracking and Siri for voice. You can use it for work, for movies, for gaming, for FaceTime, for pictures and more. It's got more pixels than a 4K TV, built-in 3D cameras and the best spatial audio yet. It's VR, it's AR, it's XR and it's a new term that they are defining as spatial computing. That's the Apple Vision Pro. Tim Cook has got to pay me for that that wonderful ad. That was it. That was incredible. Uh, all right, let's get your thoughts, uh, chaps. Uh, Nick, why don't you why don't you kick us off? When you see the Apple Vision Pro, what do you think? Well, I th- I think they're a little bit behind the ball. Okay. I think they're a little bit behind. I think if you look at what Meta did, Meta back in twenty twenty one. I think. Let me go back. Let me tell you what I think about Apple. Apple is, the situation with Apple is, I think, when the pandemic came down, they were busily trying to catch up on this. Okay. And I think this is something that they've tried to work on. I think they've got a better version than everybody else, but I think that what they've created is something which, I think they're a little bit behind the times. I love the technology. I love what it does. I was really impressed by what it does. Trouble is, like a lot of Apple products, I think it's looking for, it's, it's almost like technology looking for an answer. Okay, and that slightly bothered me. I also think, and you know, so it's a little bit like the Apple Watch. If you think about the Apple Watch when that came out, it's really what that was supposed to be an augment the Apple iPhone. Sure, yeah, an extension of it. Yeah, Yeah. it hasn't really become that, has it? It's become a fitness gadget. Yeah, I mean, I I personally don't really use mine for fitness. I use it for basically setting alarms for for when I've got to walk my dog (laughs) and changing the song on Spotify through Alexa. So I I use it for that, like, which I could do on my phone. Yeah. So it is, you know, not replacing the the, the phone at all, but it's uh, it's more useful because I can do it quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's worth the money of doing that, but it's, you know, for me, it's, it's cool. Absolutely. No, I no, I get it. I, I kind of use the same thing as well. I use it on the Spotify. Just yeah. next track, please. I've heard this one before. Yeah, so very much. So that kind of that kind of something which set in my mind when I looked at this. The other thing is that I was really interested when I thought about this to see that Meta, if you think about 2021, they obviously changed their name from Facebook to Meta. Yeah. And they put a lot of money into this whole Metaverse industry. Sure. And it's interesting, the last words that Zuck and the gang came out with was they're now talking, it's not so f- at the front, is it, anymore. Mm. And now they're talking about subjects such as open AI. Yeah. And, I, it, and then I looked at Microsoft, and Microsoft were right up there, and they've made a lot of acquisitions, I think, Alt-V, Alt-Space, yeah, Alt-Space v- is VR. Uh, 
platform their competitor of Horizon Worlds. Yeah. You know, it's it's okay, but it's a bit similar problems to Horizon Worlds. It's quite blocky and the yeah. tech is like the Sims or something. But they've closed that down as well. Oh, really? It's yeah. Closed, yeah, yeah. So, so you look at or it's been shuttered, shall we say, I think the term is. And sure. you look at this and you say, where are these other tech companies moving to? And they're moving towards AI. Yeah. And you, it made me wonder, and I just thought, oh, this, is this for once Apple being a little bit behind the ball in terms of where they should be mm. with their technology? Yeah, look, don't get me wrong, it looks great. I like the idea that you can just touch your, your forefinger and your thumb and it, it's like, it acts like a click of a mouse. Yeah. Brilliant. Very, very good. Great technology. But I wonder if it's a little bit too late. Well, you're right that Meta beat them to the punch because they obviously have had the, 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 the Quest and the Quest 2 and the mm. Quest 3 was released the same week. It's nowhere near as, a, you know, uh, expensive and, and the tech reflects that, but they're obviously going for a different type of consumer. Um, so you're right, Meta has beaten them to the punch, but Apple never is first. They're always, they always see what happens and then they yeah. create their yeah. version with their fashion, their design and, you know, their, their appeal on on top. So, um, yeah, what, what about your, your perspective, Graham? Would you agree, disagree when, when you see the Apple Vision Pro, what, what are your initial impressions? Yeah, I think very, very similar, really. Um, you know, as a piece of technology, um, looks absolutely amazing. Um, what they're able to do with, with that technology and, and the software that's yeah. also with that looks absolutely fantastic. But but why? I think that that's the biggest question. Like, what, what problem is it solving? How would you bring it into your everyday life? What what um, enhancement would you get from, from having one of these um don't get me wrong, I'd love to have it. Yep. You know, I'd love to have a go on it and try it, but I can't see me using it for work, um, even entertainment. Like it, it seems a little bit of a of a gimmick of a gadget with a very high price on it at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I think as we look forward, you know, this could be a stepping stone to other things. I thought it was an interesting point there about where's it heading and the other big technology companies have perhaps taken a different direction. So it'd be interesting to see whether they come back or whether... Apple also go, you know what, we should be in that AI space as well. Yeah, I mean, the AI is clearly the, the biggest technology, technological transformation, mm. certainly probably in, you know, ever, you know, it's it, it's in terms of its potential and what's happened in the past year, you know, we couldn't even even imagined a, a, yeah. a year a bit beforehand with, with GPT and DALI and AI generated video and some other things that we'll talk about later on in, in this episode as well. But um, Meta have... If you know, from my recruitment agency, we've been tracking their job ads posted, and they the, the the use of the keyword AI is now more frequent than the use of the keyword metaverse. Um, so you you are right that they are starting to try and transition and perhaps not put all their eggs in that one basket. Um, the metaverse term has almost um, unfortunately become a little bit of a, of a joke, which is why Apple didn't even use it. They didn't even use the word virtual reality, mixed reality. They, they use the word spatial computing, a brand new idea that they're, that they're trying to pioneer, which they've got spatial audio. So I, I understand um, the, the shift, but I guess what they're trying to build is a computer, not a, a gaming uh, gadget. So it's a little bit different. Um, one thing that is different about this is that it has no controllers. Um, I use my Oculus uh, from time to time and you know I, I go through phases where I, I you know really into it and then I just you know kind of put it away for three months and um, you know I've been involved in trying out VR tech for you know a decade now of everything from the Google Cardboard to, 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 to this right um, so with all VR platforms there was always controllers that you had to hold Meta had been 
building out some hand tracking, which you could use on the um, on the Oculus, but it was pretty terrible. I mean, like, it was really, really slow, and there was no point doing it, really, at the end of the day. I'm sure it will get better and better. Apple seemed to have just come out the gate with, like, really, really good hand tracking, and my friends that have tried out the headset say that it's really natural. You just sit there, you just tap your fingers. You don't have to hold it up to the screen like you do with the Oculus. You can just tap. You know, you, you look where you want to see it. The eye tracking will sense where you're looking. You tap and it will it will go. You look in the um, in the search bar and you just talk and it will instantly start filling in the criteria. So their, their controller is eyes. Their controller is hands. Their controller is voice. It's not these plastic things that you're holding, which have double A batteries in. OK, what what do you think about the no controller angle? Um, Graham, we'll, we'll start with yourself. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the execution for me. Like, If yeah. it works, it's going to be brilliant. Um I remember playing on you know the the Kinect on the Xbox and you know you think you're doing a a move and it, and it's not picking it up and it's mm. so frustrating. Um, so I think if they've nailed it, it's going to be brilliant because that is going to be the most natural way of interacting with with technology. So you know I, I really hope they've they've got that spot on. Yeah, the Kinect that was like the successor to the Wii in it in some yeah. respects from from the strap to just meant to be. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't really work. Did it? it it wasn't really uh, didn't really catch on. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Nick? What I, do you think of the no <coughs> controllers aspect? I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, everything I've read and heard, I haven't seen myself or yeah. used it myself, but everything I've read and heard, if correct, because uh, you know, I, what I've read is, is, is it doesn't take very long for you to become familiar with it. Yeah, so it's meant to be instant. It's in, it is. It's almost like a couple of tries. In, the more it's the, the fact that you're looking for something to click yeah. rather than do it with your fingers. And apparently it's the same with the eyes as well. Mm. I do wonder about what your eyes are going to be like by the end of it, though. I should mm. imagine opticians might make a few quid, actually, Alfie, as well. I, I, yeah, because, like, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> we talk about how you shouldn't watch TV for too long because it would damage your eyes, and then we mm. went to phones, and now it's, like, literally right there. So, yeah. I mean, who? I mean, there hasn't been a long enough time to do a proper study on this. So, um, I mean, I, my eyes are wrecked because I've been looking at screens every day, all day, forever, right? Um, what's it going to be like for little kids when they're just living in VR? And absolutely. That, that's, that's what they yeah. have. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I... I agree with you completely there. I think where it's going to end up, I think it's a great stepping stone for eventually being a pair of glasses. Yeah, I think that's what it really is, and it's the first. It's the first move towards it. Um, I don't. I guess my problem with this is, is I'm always looking for a business application for it to resolve. Mm. And I, at the point, I don't really think with Microsoft coming out with three three D avatar, avatars, I don't really see it filling that gap just yet. And I think it's another. I think there's a few more evolutions yet before we get to the version which will really all of a sudden there'll be something. Wow, yeah, this is what it was made for. That, that is the holy grail. That is what every major tech company wants. They want a pair of glasses, which they want the Google Glass. They want your notifications popping up. They want the arrow showing your maps. They want you yeah. to talk to it, and you can hear back through vibrations on the on the stem. That is the the dream, right? Um, we're not there yet, just because of the tech. It's just it, it's just not enough. And and the thing is, I don't think we'll ever get to a pair of glasses like this. And um, this is from this idea is from Palmer Lucky, the, the actual creator of um, Oculus. Um, which then obviously became, um, you know, meta really when, when they acquired it. Um, and his, his view is that people won't want just a pair of glasses. They'll want something a little bit chunkier because with a pair of glasses, you'll be quite limited in terms of what you can do. But if you just make it a little bit bigger, like a little bit more on the stems and stuff, you'll be able to pack a lot more into it. And then it will, won't just be like AR, it will actually be, be VR as well. So, But but the, the concept of what you're talking about, getting it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, the Quest 3 is 40% thinner than the Quest 2. Um, Quest 2 is, you know, pretty, pretty chunky, but 40%, that's, that's quite a lot. And the Apple one is pretty, pretty thin. I mean, what happens like in five years when it's 
you know, a tenth of, of, of well, that chunkiness. Well, the Apple one's good because it doesn't have all that all the batteries in the in the screen itself. It That's has it's so thin. Yeah. yeah, so you haven't got all that weight on your head. Yeah, but you know, like I said, I think the holy grail, as you say, quite yeah. rightly, is to get to get to glasses. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, one of the interesting things about that sort of um, full headset versus glasses piece, like what Apple have managed to do with the full headset, is you can go full immersive. So you can block everything out. Whereas I think if you've got glasses, you've still got light coming in, and mm. you know you, you're very much in that augmented reality space rather than the, the complete immersive. Um, and I don't know whether you know that's part of the vision or the compromise they've got now, or they're you know hedging the bets with a with a bit of both. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a really interesting um, view at the moment, mm. and um, I certainly agree with you there, Alfie. That you know the future is that glasses. I think that is the holy grail. I mean. I'd, I'd go even smaller than glasses and, and be contact lenses. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I think you know, completely invisible tech is you know, really the ultimate destination. If that ever becomes like possible. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that would <laughs> obviously be the, the dream. Or just a neural link. I mean, that would be like, you know, yeah. the, the, the best way, right? Hey, this podcast is brought to you by welovealpha.com. If you're looking to grow and hire and scale your software engineering team in the UK, and go to welovealpha.com to hire the best software developers on the market. Everything across Java to C Sharp to PHP to Python to React and Angular and mobile and more. Go to welovealpha.com to hire the best software engineers in the UK now. And um, one of the killer app that they're talking about on this is the FaceTime fake hologram. So this is something that Meta has nowhere near touched. But with, with the Apple Vision Pro, you can turn it around and this, the cameras will look at your face and create a fake 3D hologram of you. So if you then put it back on and you're in a FaceTime call with somebody, they will see you smiling, laughing, playing around. But it's it's not you. It's a fake hologram version of you. When you when I do um, occasional um, uh, calls on the Oculus in like Horizon workrooms, it's like a cartoon character that you're speaking to, um, which people just aren't going to use because like you can't you can't do anything serious. Like a, a business meeting, and your and your boss is like got green skin. And imagine getting fired in like in VR and like <laughs> like by like a <laughs> it's just it's just like it wouldn't work. But if if it looks real, if it looks like a hologram version of you, and if that just becomes a norm, maybe they're onto something there. I mean, it's you know it's it's quite different to. It's the first time you'll be having a video call with a fake version of somebody, um, but it, it is them. But it's just it's just a AI reconstruction of them. What what are your thoughts on the fake FaceTime hologram killer app? What, what's your take, uh, Graham? I mean, it, I think I'd, I'd probably say why why not get the real you on a real camera? Like, why would you want to? Okay, so a hologram you, you, you version. You don't think VR um, or spatial computing video calls will, will catch on? You think it'll be more just just like the regular way it is right now? I think so. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I, it, it surprised um, myself actually how we've very much switched to video calls. I think you know, we had the technology for a long time, and you know, I was one of those people who really preferred voice only. But now, now there is video. Really enjoy that as a format, and it, and it feels a bit odd just to do to do voice. Um, I don't really get the the hologram um, sort of version. I, I think you know we we've all got faces, we've got cameras. Let's carry on with that. Sure. Okay. What what's your take, Nick? I suppose my my point is um, I'm looking at this from a culture perspective and I don't think that you build a culture with a hologram. Mm. And I think that in the workplace, I mean, it's hard enough to build a culture when you're doing it over Zoom or Teams. Um, 
so I'm I'm quite an advocate of getting into the office more because I think for young people especially it's it's how you learn you learn by learning off other people people don't actually have a lot of people don't realize that but you do learn an awful lot from working with experienced people you know if you're pair programming or something like that so I I'm a strong advocate of that anyway so the, the sort of whole point of having having this sort of virtual reality version of me doesn't really doesn't appeal because I'd rather do it in person yep. but maybe that says more about me than it does about anything else and I kind of think it's more about getting getting the culture of your organization and what you want to achieve across and I think that's really important yeah I, I'd agree with you I, I try and do everything that I can in in, in person and um, failing that video call failing that a phone call and text yeah. is like a last resort if, most of the time when when like my team or someone texts me my response is i call them because and then if they don't answer i'll just text back when, when can you speak yeah so just yeah. replying yeah. other messages it's just it's just like not a really efficient way tones loss you know it's draining isn't it and you don't yeah. get them as you say you don't get the gravitas of the point you're trying to make you can't you're, build a relationship yeah, over absolutely messaging. can't no yeah no. you do that over beers and and, and Ab- you know food and having speaking with people absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. well one thing that the headset's got which uh meta don't have and um i'm i'm skeptical if this will um be a recurring thing like this is the apple vision pro okay and it's designed for de- for developers really at three and a half grand they'll buy it they're only expecting to sell like a hundred two hundred thousand of these um which is like nothing compared to the, the tens of millions of, of quests that were sold um especially at like Christmas time. But they're going to sell, you know, a small number of these. Devs will build apps and then they'll come out with probably what I would guess is just the Apple Vision, like mm. the Apple Vision Pro, uh, Apple Vision. Apple Vision will be like half the price. And I don't think Apple Vision will have this feature because um, it seems like really expensive. But anyway, the Apple Vision Pro has something called EyeSight. And EyeSight is on the front and you saw that on the revealing trailer. You can actually see the eyes of the person. Now, now you can't see the eyes. It's um, once again, it's, it's a screen. It's 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 fake. But um it's good because when you're when you're walking up to somebody in VR at the moment and you try and speak to them, they've got to take off the headset and they've got to pause the game and blah blah blah. With this, on what you will see when wearing the headset is they will just come into the view and you, you'll see them because it's it's more mixed reality. So you know, mm. we'll, I'll be you know watching a movie and it will kind of blur a little bit and then Graham will pop up, hi Alfie, what's going on you now? Mm. And you'll see that my eyes can see you, so we can have a conversation without having to take it off. Um, there's also the with the reality dial that you mentioned turning it on. If you go into like super immersive mode, then um, the eyes won't show. You know, it will show that a person needs to be left alone. They're, they're they're busy. But what do you think of eyesight? Like this brand new idea when it comes to VR to to try to um, make it less about taking it off and more about just people wearing it day to day. Because you you could like wake up, you could put it on, and you could just go your day. <laughs> it sounds really weird, but I just imagine like seeing like in five years, everyone on the on the tube is just wearing a VR headset like they are on their phones right now, may, may, mm-hmm. maybe. And um, because and then if they want to have a conversation with somebody, they both look at each other. They've both got the headset on, but they both can see their fake eyes and they're having a conversation. Like, do you think eyesight could become a thing or is it a gimmick? Um, Nick, what's your initial impressions of eyesight? Well, I'm the person that takes his sunglasses off when I talk to people. So <laughs> it, it, I don't think it really appeals to me. I kind of, I kind of like the, the idea of seeing the whites of someone's eyes, shall we say. And sure. I think that's sort of the point that appeals to me. Um, as a person that needs glasses for reading as well, I always take my glasses off when I'm talking to someone. Mm. So maybe that's just an old habit that I've got to get over. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I can't see without my glasses. glasses I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm done, yeah. What, what about uh, you, you all take Graham on, on eyesight? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you made us all laugh there with that vision of the future of everyone on the tube, but I, 
the more I think about that, I, I could see it because you're yeah. right. Everyone does sit there on their on their phone. Mm. Um, anyway, I I think having used VR headsets, the it's very like disconcerting if someone goes, "Hey, Graham," and you're like, "Well, I, I was lost in my own world." So I think I've always considered the the feature of the person using the headset mm. like that that fading into view sounds great. I'm not really considered of like not needing to take your headset off. I, I think I'd find that very odd um, yeah. talking to some a camera version of eyes rather than the person themselves but maybe people just get used to it because like you know we're saying you know maybe not 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 for us but you know if if people are growing up with this Mm. and it becomes the norm then maybe that's um you know something that just happens and when enough people are doing it it's like with the airpods like when they came out yeah what what what, it looked like a like a uh, like a bathroom product like a thing that you floss your ears with or something right (laughs) and and you the q-tips and and people like laughed at them at first mm. and now yeah. it's normal to see somebody walking down the street talking to themselves with, with their airpods in um so if enough people do it then it just becomes the norm and that, that might be what happens with uh with, with people with, with the vision pro and um you know later versions and um, what, what about the, the price um like i say i do think this is going to come down significantly and i think apple have done this really strategically that they made it a really high price so everybody wants it and then when it drops it's like oh it's a, it's here and and i can buy it now you know um but what 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 do you think of like the three and a half grand like, i know most people aren't going to buy it it's more for developers uh, but what do you think about the three and a half grand and what do you think about like the one and a half grand, two grand that it's probably going to be, you know, in a year from now compared to Meta's, I mean, it's like three, four hundred dollars a pound like version. You know, what 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 do you think of, of that side of the coin, um, Nick? Well, we know that Apple always produce quality products. Mm. And I think that's the that's the point. And I think it's a really good I, it's anything which is new is going to be expensive because it's 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 being into the marketplace and it's adopted. And as you've highlighted, they're only going to make a few hundred thousand of them. And I think one of the problems, one of the reasons behind that, because I was looking at the dev tools from the, when I went down further onto the screen, I was looking at the dev tools that they've created for it. Yeah. And I think they need to get some adoption of that first and some apps that are going to work with it before mm. they're actually in a situation where they're going, they can, it gets general use. That said, the minute the price starts dropping, people get interested. Mm. It's no different to when the, when the watch was in, came around. It's no different when the um, iPhone was created. And even if you think about the original cost of the iPod, these are all very high cost things and that they eventually whittled the cost down and got the yeah. manufacturing cost down as they improved the product. But the cheaper versions, like the iPod then became like the, the Nano, and then you had like the little clip-on Absolutely, ones. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. iPhone, you got like the SE or something they call it, I, like the cheapest one. It's interesting, Alex, that was what went through my mind, that the, I think they'll split it into two brands. There'll be a lower cost version and there'll yeah. be a high version. Yeah, the Apple, yeah, Vision, yeah. Apple Vision Pro. I mean, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think that's why they're way maybe even an Apple Vision SE. I mean, they'll, they'll probably do different variations mm-hmm. of it, and um, you know, in the same way now that we have, you know, it, there was iPhone and then there's Android, but it's like a million different versions. You know, Samsung, you know, Google, ev- everyone else has got got a phone. Um, you know, even Microsoft tried it at some point. Amazon, uh, Amazon tried the Fire Phone or something at, at some point. Yeah. Um, I think with VR headsets, I mean, right now it's Oculus and there's like the the, the Pico or Pico or something, and then there's a few like really expensive ones. But when Apple gets in the game, I, I you know everybody will start coming out with their their version of it. Um, Meta unfortunately had to pay the price in terms of like the initial investment to get it going and when i say and yeah. pay the price they spent more money um i believe I'm, I'm right in saying this they spent more money on building out like the infrastructure of vr than it spent to get man to the moon they yeah. it was it's a single biggest capital expenditure ever in in history um which would make uh sense if they can pull it off because if they can own 
the the universe, like the metaverse, what people will live in, then um, then you know they they are you know the digital god. I mean that, that they've won, but um, you know maybe it will be worth the investment. It's just a shame, not not a shame, but it's, it's weird to see like Mark put all that money in and then like Apple just come around and go, hey, hey you know, <laughs> thanks thanks for that, and uh, mm. we're gonna we're gonna take market share. Now. I think there's a big question mark about the metaverse. Yeah, I think that's the, to me. Look, we, 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 this is where I came in on the conversation where I talked about the fact that they've. They obviously, they changed their name to Meta, and they, uh, the amount of money they've sunk into this is astronomical, and they must be getting a lot of pressure from their shareholders about the ret- rate of return and not getting the rate of return they want to. It's really interesting that Meta executives now talk more about AI yeah. than they do about Meta, and they don't, I don't think they use the term Metaverse anymore either. Do they? Got, you know, they're skating to where the puck is going, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what's your take on the price, Graham? And you know, what, what's your take on uh, if people will buy a, a grand, grand and a half, compared to a couple of hundred pounds for for Meta? Yeah, I, I still think the the price point's going to be too much for for most people. Um, perhaps an angle that that might come out is is when we consider the phone. Mm. You know, phones are still you know that sort of thousand pound plus sort of price point, but but no one thinks of phones being that price. We we pay twenty, thirty pounds a month. And we we spread out that cost, so that might be a model that comes in and, and brings these devices more into everyone's sort of um, ownership. Yeah, we mentioned the phone. Okay, so I guess what what Apple are trying to do long term is replace the phone. I mean, ultimately, that's what you know people want with uh, with AR, VR, XR, whatever R. You know, they're trying to take the iPhone and put it on your on your head. Okay, do do you think the vision? is a successor to, to, to the iPhone. If you had to look forward 10 years from now, do you think people will be using this headset, you know, version 7 of this headset, more than they're using their iPhone? Or do you think VR, AR, whatever, will not replace uh, a smartphone? What, what What's your take, Nick? I think it'd be the set of glasses we talked about earlier. I think yeah. 10 years... Do you think it will start, replace the phone? As like I think it... Them, yeah, know? I think it will. Okay. I think the, the, the minute you can do... If you look, obviously it gives you your... It fully works with the Mac, so it gives you your your screen. Yeah, you get, it gives you all your apps. It's just a natural progression to get to that. Yeah, that holy grail as we talked about earlier with the glasses, and I think that will be where it is. Yeah, it gets yeah. smaller and smaller. I mean, tech started as a computer would take up like a university, um, you know, a huge room, and then it went to you know the the, the every. But he will have a PC on their desk, you know, that was whole Bill Gates whole thing. And then it went to, you know, uh, a phone and, and a watch sh- and no head, you know, yeah. eyes. I'm sure I read recently, I don't know if you remember back, this is many years ago, that IBM developed a, um, called Big Blue, a chess computer. Yeah, that they could beat humans at chess. Yeah, and it beat the world champion at the time, I yeah. think Cap- yeah. Gary, Gary Kasparov, yeah. Um, I've read somewhere that the latest Apple iPhone has got more computing power than that IBM machine. And that is only th- and when I went back and looked at it, it was about 30 years ago, and I thought, that just gives you an idea of how much we've come on. Well, your iPhone is probably more powerful than the, the rockets that went to the moon. Um, oh, without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, with, yeah. with the way that AI works and how it learns from itself um, will, will mean that we'll have, you know, tiny little chips that are more powerful than that, that know more than every human on the on the planet combined because you know if a human needs to learn something they, they learn it but the person sitting next to them doesn't know it mm. where the ai works is when, once ai learns something they're all all of it's all connected so it's all learned it you know so you know it yeah. can learn more in a, in a in a second than we can learn in a, in a decade absolutely yeah um 
Okay, well, look, Vision Pro, um, main, main topic for today, but interesting to see if it will succeed, if it will flop. Um, I, I'm excited to see what happens either way. I'm, uh, you know, it's it's been a long time coming. I've been talking about Apple releasing a headset for over a year now on this podcast. I've probably mentioned it like 50 times. So to actually see it, I watched the whole thing live. I had popcorn. I had snacks. I had I had drinks, and it was just it was just great. And it, I had my my tiny baby crying the whole time and ruined the whole experience. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was wild to see, and it'll be interesting to see um, what happens in in the next year ahead for for this space. Hey, really quick video just to give you a free subscription to Coda Magazine. Coda is the number one publication for all the latest tech news expert insights and exclusive industry interviews. With Coda, you get the inside scoop on what's happening with Elon Musk, with Bill Gates, with Jeff Bezos, with Mark Zuckerberg, and so much more. So if you work in the technology industry, then I'd highly recommend that you give Coda a read today. Just scan the QR code on the screen for free access now, or go to welovealpha.com forward slash magazine to get your free subscription today. Okay, so we mentioned AI a bunch there. So let, let's, let's talk about a few other topics um, in the, the final uh, half an hour. So um, Rishi Sunak um, actually saw Rishi um, uh, a couple of, uh, about a week or two ago at London Tech Week. He was he was speaking and um, was in a room afterwards speaking to some tech leaders for the podcast. And then Rishi just wanders in. It was a bit of a surreal experience, to be honest. But he was on um, Harry Stebbings uh, 20 VC podcast recently, which is an amazing podcast if, if uh, people listening haven't watched uh, 20 VC Harry is a, an amazing interviewer um, and he interviewed Rishi and they were talking about how um, amongst other things uh, that Rishi's planning to try and make the UK the the world leader in, in artificial intelligence so um, he has launched a 100 million pound AI task force um, a couple of days later after that announcement um, Ian Hogarth the, um, the entrepreneur who uh, a lot of people know uh, in the UK uh, he has um, taken the role as chair chairman of, of that task force and I guess the goal is to invest in um, you know government projects that help with the regulation and the safety around AI um, it's a bit unclear if, if it will be that much like involved in the private sector with like funding companies and subsidizing but I imagine there'll be an element of a bit of everything with 100 million pounds I mean it's a, it's a lot of cash uh, but you know Rishi is trying to make the the UK the world leader in, in, in AI um, be interesting to see if like he can pull that off because when you've got the valley when you've got you know China uh, you know, all going crazy about this. It'll be interesting to see if our island nation can can pull it off. I mean, we, we have done some amazing things um, bit before, um, but this is obviously quite a quite an audacious goal. Um, but yeah, look, uh, if Ian is uh, is listening, oh, it'd be good to get him on the on the podcast at some point to talk about. I guess what his plans are going to be as, as chair. So, open invite Ian if you're if you're listening to this. But um, what what are your impressions, uh, chaps, of of I guess Rishi's announcement? Not not from a political perspective. I don't care what your mm. what your beliefs are. Um, obviously, you were hanging out with Kia Stammer yesterday, uh, Nick. So, uh, why, why don't you kick it off? What what's your point of view on um, on Ian's uh, you know appointment in this news? He, he's the guy that did Songkick, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, music application. Yeah, yeah. I guess my thoughts on this it's not only is it with us it's with the American government as well it's a little bit too late and I think they should have been in a lot earlier and I think they've had enough warning signs that they should have done something about this um, I looked at the 100 million and I had a slightly different view I think I thought to myself when you see the money that chat GPT burns mm. 
I think every day, I think, is it something like 700,000 pounds it costs for the I, machines? I don't know what the operating costs are, but I mean, yeah. like Microsoft put in 10 billion. billion. And that's a company, yeah. not a government. So know? 100 million isn't going to go very far. No. Um, what I what I've read in between, and I think I, I, I quite like this, is the fact that he's looking at he, he's looking at it from a point of view of health and education, and I think you know health is a great area for ChatGPT to explore, or sorry, OpenAI to explore AI to explore, because I think that really is something which would we'd, everybody would benefit from, and I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, well, the thing that struck me though was that when I read through the statement and read through everything about this that what they were planning to do, there was no mention of anything to do with the dark arts. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I just, I, I've made a massive assumption and I've got my fingers crossed that the people at GCHQ in Cheltenham are dealing with that separately and it isn't coming out of that 100 million. When you said dark arts, what do, what do you mean exactly? Uh, well, nefarious activity. Okay, like deep fakes and yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, AI hacking. The, you know, the, the dark web. Sure. Okay. So it, going into that area, there, there didn't seem to be any mention of that. It was all about shiny, happy people. And I think that we need to be a little bit careful as well to make sure that we're also thinking about where it's being used badly or incorrectly. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, there was no mention of that. And I, I don't expect him to because this is all about good news. Yeah, it's a PR press release. It's a PR. But I'm just, I was just, my fingers are very much crossed that Cheltenham GCHQ have got their hands all over. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we, we hope so, right? I mean, um, we AI can, create it's a tool. It can create amazing, you know, projects and, and applications, but it also can, can could destroy the world. So, um, yeah. you know, it's important to get that, that balance, right? Um, but what's your take, Graham, on, I guess, Rishi's announcement? Yeah, I guess similar to Nick there, you know, the, the 100 million, a mere drop in the ocean of, of what would really be needed to, to make a difference. Um, but I think it's good that we're talking about it and, you know, we've, we've perhaps opened the door and, and put it on the agenda a little bit. So, mm. you know, it, it is really important, I think, globally that we get to grips with, with AI and, and you know, consider the... The benefits, but uh, but also the drawbacks. Um, I, I think as much as governments try and control this, I think it's got a life of its own, and I think you know, the genie's out the bottle in in some ways. So um, it'd be interesting to see sort of where things go. Um, I don't think we, I don't think the the announcement will will make too much of a difference um, for us here. I think I think it's a government thing, a yeah. government led thing for for. Government type. Thing. I think yeah. private enterprise is going to be left to its own resources and do what it has to do. And if you think about it, private enterprise is well ahead of the game in this area anyway. The government are catching up, and it's not just and and you know this isn't just the UK government. This yeah, is also the American right. government as well. It's all governments. So everybody's trying to catch up. And I think if you're looking at it, from, that's to say, I think you know the health is a real for me is the big area where I think we can we can all benefit. Yeah. I think that's a real real plus. You know, like I say, um, you know, we talk about cybercrime at the moment. Crikey, this is going to blow cybercrime out of the water, isn't oh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you'll be able to create AI applications, give them a set of instructions to do, like, just just for example, not giving anyone ideas here, right? I mean, this is not me saying this, but I was thinking about this the other day. You could create uh, something that would go and create fake versions of, of banking websites um, automatically, you know, using generative uh, AI, then create fake uh, email addresses that look like they come from the banks, um, and then, um, you know, use social media platforms to see who's talking about, complaining about their bank that they're banking with, um, you know, find their email addresses by scraping tools, um, send them a, a fake phishing email from from uh, saying, hey, you got to log into your account. They then go to that fake page, they log in and type their details, and then they, you've got their banking details, right? Um, and it just automatically redirects to the, the banking website. And, you, you know, you could do that on scale without any humans being involved just by 
by a little bit of code if it isn't already being done already if that hits millions and millions of people you know it only takes a couple of um you know people to to, to get fooled by that to, to ruin lives so um you know the, the genie is out of the bottle and uh, i hope that we do get the dark arts in, <laughs> in check but i've got like a list at home that i've been thinking of probably like 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 10 15 different ways that you could use ai to <laughs> to, to, to destroy the world um, yeah, I, I, I try not to think about it because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I, more from a security perspective but um I, I get into a trough of despondency when i think about things <laughs> yeah. like that I, 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 I try and remain very optimistic about it and yeah. you know that, that that's the sort of angle but i do know what you mean if you start thinking about it doesn't take too much doesn't it's not a great leap of faith to realize where it can go you, you could do what I'm describing now. Like you yes, don't, you don't, you yeah. don't need that. It's not like a future thing. That, that could happen today. Uh, I'm, sure someone's, I'm sure someone's writing the code as they speak. Yeah, yeah, or probably yeah. with the help of auto or, uh, co-pilot. Yeah, maybe I should edit that out. But, um, <laughs> I'm not liable in any way. Um, okay, ne- ne- next one is a little bit more lighthearted. This is, um, this is Cafe, uh, Cafe X. Um, this is really, really cool. Um, so this um, is a robotic coffee bar. So there's working versions of this in San Francisco and Dubai. It's backed by top VCs like David Sachs, uh, Chamath and Jaycal who are on the all-in pods. They're, they're great. Um, it's not terrible coffee as well because it's not like from those like vending machines where you press a button uh, because the robot is, is doing it. It's like a human doing it. So it's good quality. Um, and obviously it has the potential to completely disrupt the global barista market. You know, Starbucks, Cafe Nero, uh, et cetera, et cetera, could be in serious trouble. Um, what are your thoughts on Cafe X, uh, Graham? Yeah, I, I love the idea. Um, I think um, perhaps being a bit of a geek, I, I don't always enjoy speaking to people. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I took the "don't talk to strangers" too seriously as a as a child, and that's carried on. Sure. So interacting with a machine that, that gives me a, a great drink, uh, fantastic. I'm not a coffee drinker, so and I don't know if I could comment on the the quality of that. So, you but can if probably you probably get tea or like like you know some iced yep. chas. You know, from it, yeah. yeah, but it, I, I love the idea of you know twenty four seven operate um, with a machine. I, I, I really enjoy you know, ordering off an app rather than ringing someone, interacting with with something like that in a in an airport down the street. I, I'd definitely use that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This was, this was sent to me on Twitter. Um, if people um, enjoy the show and want to send me uh, products to mention and talk about, if they are visually appealing and cool and futuristic, then then tweet me. My handle's on the screen at the moment. Um, if the Cafe X founders um, are listening to this as well, we'd be happy to, to have you on to talk about this because this, uh, this is a pretty cool innovation. Um, what, what's your take, Nick, on, on Cafe X? Well, I remember when I did my computer science degree, getting a robotic arm to move and how much code that took. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm dreading to think what it takes to make a cup of coffee. Um, I do the thing that bothered me the most was when it was when it was when it had the coffee in its hand or mm. the robotic hand and it was shaking it and I thought it's going to come out in a minute <laughs> and it's going to spill. Um I it's probably coded like to perfectly keep you on edge in suspense you're watching it just about to come out but it never does. Listen, I'm a, I'm a developer. I was just happy to get it working. Don't worry. I wasn't going to get that far. Um, I've got really mixed views about this because I worked in Italy for five years and I could never see this catching on in Italy. No. Because the whole coffee culture would not allow this. The whole point of going in there and talking about moaning about the government, moaning about the football, moaning about whatever's going on is part of that ritual and they go in at 11 o'clock. It's a small country, though, compared to the rest of the world. It, ab- yeah. it absolutely is, but also at the back of my mind, I just thought to myself, is this not really just a glorified vending machine? Yeah. 
And that kind of was at the back of my mind as well. And I just thought all of a sudden you can see people taking shortcuts with it and you know it not being the premium quality product that maybe it should be. I guess I would always prefer, I, I, I guess what we're trying to do is if this comes in, then you know having a barista is going to be a premium product. Mm. This, is, this, this will very much, very quickly go to the middle layer and that your people will be looking for human interaction to get something which is a little bit more personal. I mean, from the emotional perspective, yes. But what if the barista, what if the robot barista can make coffee better th th than a human? Because it doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't show up late. It doesn't take annual leave. It doesn't get sick. It's just 24-7, just here's your latte. Here's your flat white. Here's your ice mocha, you know. Here's your strawberry and cream frappuccino, whatever you order. I don't know what you order. Do you think it would react to the, can you make mine a bit stronger? Can we have some extra milk in that? I, I, I don't yeah. know if it's like, I think it's probably like a, like a screen, right? You probably see, just, that, probably. That, now you're into the world of McDonald's, you see, because you've got those <laughs> yeah. great big touch. Yeah. I think it would be like that. But I mean, I, I don't know. Um, what about the jobs? Let's let's get your perspective on that because it's, it's good. Yeah. If this takes off, right? You've got millions and millions of baristas at Starbucks that are screwed. This so. is look, this is this is the whole thing. We, the, I think when we spoke before, we talked about automated cars. Yeah, yeah, the self-driving cars. Self-driving cars, and I just said, you know, it's the same. It's the same issue for me. There's a lot of people in that in that area that are doing this for work, and there's a lot of families that are relying on it. And I just that's the area that worries me: the social economic aspect. What are you going to do with these people? Because mm. if you if they're they're, they're if they're not going to be baristas, then you're going to be, they're going to be pay, have to be paid for by the government. And what do we do with that? We put taxes up mm. to pay for these people. People need to be employed. Yeah, well, they have meaning, don't they? And yeah, absolutely. The in their life, and you know, the the counter argument could be yes, it replaces jobs for baristas, but it also creates jobs for developers. And you know, then they'll, they'll be building the machines. But yeah, I mean, but, with, with but, AI, maybe developers but, will be replaced. I mean, but how many developers did that create? Say, say it took a team of a hundred people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're, put, you're, you're, putting, right. out, you're yeah. putting out a lot more than a hundred baristas out of work with, with yeah. something like that. Correct. I think there's a there's a short term impact there, but I think as as you look to the longer term, like maybe we don't need to train more baristas, but maybe they can they can move into different things. I mean, presumably, you know, we're not still training chimney sweeps, so yeah. you know, jobs do move on, new roles Absolutely. come around. Um, but normally, Graham, it's a generational thing. Though, it is, it? yeah. You know, so you've got a whole generation of people. Not, not anymore. No. You don't <laughs> think so? No, well, I mean, I mean, I, it, it, the way that AI and robotics are moving, it's now every every year there's going to be disruptions like this. I don't think it's going to be. I think I, it, throughout I, history, it's always been about generations. I, 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 quick now. So I'm going to take you up on that, if you don't okay. mind. Um, I'm I'm cage fight. Elon no, 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 no. <laughs> I will tell you why. I tell you why I think slightly differently. I think because. It's, I think it's a generational thing. I think what what we forget is that we're quite privileged in what we do and what we're able to what, what we've done. Other people aren't maybe as privileged as what we are and aren't as aren't as able to adapt to circumstances. Mm. Look, I think all three of us here from the discussions we've had today have got curious minds. You know, we're really interested in what we do and how we do it and what's going on, and we've all, you know, looked at these subjects with and all have different perspectives on it. And that's the beauty of it. There's a lot of people that don't really, it isn't their bag, it isn't what they're into. And that's and it's those people that you need to care about and those people that you, need to, you sometimes think about as well. Yeah. And that's why, that's where my concern comes from. Okay. And I think it's, that's why I'm saying it's a generational thing. I think for the top 25% intellectually in the country, I think they move and they adapt because they're curious and they want to adapt things and they want to move, they want to move on to new things. I think there's a lot of people that are just happy with their lot yeah. and don't yeah. want to continually learn. Um, 
just want to do what they do. Yeah, maybe it's, it's like the whole thing, like, yes, truck drivers will be replaced, and you say, hey, learn to code. But, I mean, like, should they be learning to <laughs> code? Is that the right job for them? I mean... Do they want to? Well, exactly. Do they want yeah, to go? Code. Yeah, and yeah, of course, yeah. with we can't force people to. And then you get co-pilot come along, and of course, you don't need no need. No, to, no, 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 no. you become a prompt engineer instead. It's exactly yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 th- these are the sorts of these are the sorts of things that people need to think about. And going back to our Rishi discussion, and this is the sort of thing that I'd like the government to sort of, as part, well, maybe a million, a hundred million could be looking look into that sort of and have a view as to what the long term workplace looks like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of jobs, still next clip uh, topic rather is all about how AI might be interviewing people, humans for for, for jobs soon. So there was a study conducted recently by Resume Builder, uh, which said that forty percent of corporate recruiters will use AI to conduct job interviews by twenty twenty four next next year, and fifteen percent of recruiters will rely entirely on artificial intelligence for all hiring decisions from start to finish, from writing the advert to seeing the CVs to making an offer and, and closing a candidate, I presume by voice AI having a conversation with like a chatbot or something. So let me just say that again. So AI will, this is a prediction by Resume Builder based on a survey they've done with, with large amounts of data. 40% of corporate recruiters will use AI to conduct job interviews by 2024 and 15% will rely entirely on AI tools from all hiring decisions from start to, to finish. I mean, I, I own a recruitment company, so I, I'm, I'm um, you know, mixed views. I think by next year, ooh, I don't know. That seems very, 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 very quick. I'm using AI to help write job adverts, to help uh, candidates craft resumes. Um, not really doing anything with interviews for AI, but I know that there, are, there are tools to, like chatbots, to like initial screenings, like, hey, what's your salary? Hey, what's what, what location? You know, simple questions that you could use a chat what to, to do uh, but when it comes to like building relationships seeing if they're the right culture fit the right team fit um you know asking like challenging questions and getting there i, I want i want to be involved in that conversation personally i want to i want to i don't want to trust ai completely uh, but who knows maybe, maybe i'm behind the eight ball maybe i'm wrong on this one um what are your thoughts on will ai interview you for a job in, in the future uh graham what's your take yeah i think there's there's definitely a role for ai in the process would I go as far and saying it, it would take over? I, I can't really see that. Certainly not within a year. Sure. Um, perhaps if you think about the, the wider job market, I, I think we're probably considering it from a software development technology type recruitment process. Maybe there are roles where AI would do a, a, a reasonable job and maybe the hiring decision isn't that important. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think... You know, some of the problems we have, we get so many candidates coming in. How do you get through that that list effectively? Um, I think AI could help in that. There's a lot of talk around um, unconscious bias. Yeah. Now, it, there's there's two sides to that from an AI point of view. You know, what bias is in the AI? You know, we don't know what decisions and how it's making the decisions. So, is that actually going to make the problem worse, or is it is it a way of helping us? Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right in terms of like. You know, I'm not uh, not not singling out any particular job here, but if if it was like I don't know, like an admin type role, mm-hmm. if you have you know 100 applications, AI could then do the chatbot to speak to them. Yep. If you had like a voice version of that, so it sounds like you're speaking to a human, but you're you know just having a conversation with with, with somebody, and it's measuring you know the accuracy of their communication, mm-hmm. and then it you know get, gets all the key data, and then it gives them like a little test to do, like you know sorting out emails and typing, seeing what they're you know how fast they can type, if if there's any mistakes. 
And then it would, you know, maybe the human would get involved for the final stage to like just like you know sanity check the machine. Um, but maybe after after you've sanity checked it ten times and it's been right every single time, maybe it just works and and then they get hired, right? Um, which is a little bit scary <laughs> for me. <laughs> not not gonna, not gonna lie, um, but. Um, yeah, maybe, 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 but I'm still a bit sceptical. What, what, what's your take, Nick, on, on the, the story? Well, the first thing, and this is a humorous part, was I wonder whether they'd phone me back. <laughs> well, the recruiter won't. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, you know, so it's, it's, if, it's learning, if, it's, if it's learning, then it will know not to phone me back after I've applied. Um, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm jesting. Um, I, look, I like, when, I, when I'm building a team, I like to look for the right culture. So to I, I place I'm I'm not after the top technical people. I'm after because very often the top technical people won't fit into the team. I'm actually after the right people from a from I like to meet people and ask them questions and it, and understand where they're coming from and whether they're going to fit and they they're a good fit with everybody else within the team. That's what works for me. And I'm I'm sure we'll eventually AI will overcome that issue, but I can't see it in the, in the near future. And I think that's the important part for me. Mm. And I think that you know, even even for something as an admin assistant, you still want to make sure you you, you don't want someone that's going to be difficult and awkward. Mm. You want someone that's going to work in your team and be and be a really good fit, or someone that's keen to learn, or someone. It's different things that you look for for different roles. And I think that's the that's the thing that I struggle with as to how it would do it, or how I would gauge just from you know AI doing all this maybe first part screening as you said yeah i yeah. think that's a good point yeah i think i think it will replace large parts of the recruitment cycle but the one thing that i think it will struggle to replace is the ability to sell an opportunity to somebody that's maybe not looking mm. for a role because when, when we hire software developers for companies like 90 percent of the time they are not on the market but they are in the market you know they're not they're not actively looking for a job they may you know if we're working with um you know uh, monzo and you know we know what they what they're looking for we would go to starling and go hey you know and try and persuade people to to, to come over because it's uh, their competition mm -hmm. and talk about the benefits talk about why it's a great place to work you know etc etc um ai i think would struggle to you know call people to convince them because if, if you if you knew you were talking to a chatbot i think most humans would just put the phone down they're like i don't want to yeah. speak to some some robot like well, yeah. what is this um you know, I think most people would just like to speak to people, but I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. Uh, only, only time can tell. I think you're spot on. I think yeah. you I think there's a there's a human element to selling that job. I know that when I've done it in the past, when I've recruited in the past, and the recruiter's got it so far, and it needs me to get it over yeah. the line. Yeah. Mm. And you know, and you say, well, let's go for dinner. Let's go and you know, and especially in the market, what the market that we had over the last two years, where people were getting multiple offers. Yeah. It's important to build that, you know, build that relationship with them. Take them to dinner, get them talking to talking to them, show them that you care and that you're interested. Yeah, and I think that's what will get you. That's what will be the differentiator. Yeah, I, I don't want to go to dinner with ChatGPT. Like you want to be no, a human, right? Absolutely so. not. Yeah, and and sometimes it's it's opening up more of your business as well. So it's not just the recruiter or the manager. Like come and meet the rest of the team. Absolutely. And like, yeah. You know, feel part of it. But, yeah. And this is this is my point about culture. Yeah. This is the whole point. You know, I absolutely agree with you. That it's about making sure that you get you, you get a good cultural fit within that individual. Okay, uh, last topic. Um, 
for those that have stayed to, to the end, as promised, we've got some crazy AI tech here. Um, I've actually talked about um, Symphasia, this platform, before on the show. Uh, if Stefan or Victor, uh, we've spoken before in the past, uh, the founders would like to uh, to come on. There is an open invite. Um, but this is text-to-speech software. Um, for those uh, watching on video, there's a quick clip on the screen showing a demo. Um, I can't play audio just because I don't want to get copyright striked. But um, this is essentially what, what, what you see. So you, you type in what you like and an AI generated avatar will read it out in 120 different languages uh, there's almost 150 different avatars that you can pick from use it for training material uh, marketing videos voiceovers who knows maybe even recruitment maybe maybe this is the the, this, the, the magic bullet to the, to the problem but it looks um you know pretty real I mean it's definitely a bit stiff like it's not it's not like a human on like a zoom call having a conversation um, and the um, the voice is it's pretty good I mean like you can pick different languages but um, certainly from the demos that I've seen it's uh, it's not as fluent as a human speaking with the ums and the pauses and the ahs it's like a perfect polished person which is probably what you want if you're watching a training video like you know you know you join a company and you got to watch those like boring introduction videos showing you how to use the uh, the CRM and the you know the database, all the different systems and everything, which is probably designed for that. Um, but I don't think it's quite the same as speaking to a human yet. I mean, it's going to get better and better, um, and maybe they'll add in some of those human errors, which I think is quite important with AI. Like with, with GPT, for example, when it gives you the answer, it comes out like like this. It doesn't just give you the answer because it, it feels like a human speaking to you. I'm working with a chatbot company at the moment, helping grow their, their engineering team. And one thing they've recently added is when you um, when it's about to text you something, it comes up with the dots on the screen, um, like you're getting a text message. When they have the answer ready. It's just, it just feels more human. Um, so I'm sure they can add stuff like that into it to make the product worse, but then also make it better at the same time, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on Symphasia uh, and, and that, that platform? Uh, Nick, what's, what's your take? I loved it. I thought it was really good. I had a good look at it and I looked at I, you know, I had looked on the website as well. I was really impressed by what it was, by what it was doing. Yeah. I thought it was very good. I was thinking about things like training videos, a number of areas where it would be excellent. Um, I thought it was very polished. Um, it made me laugh where it had um, different accents as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was really they've, there's a lot of thought gone into that, an awful lot of work. And I did notice that you could you could pause the script. There were little um, bits of syntax that you could use in in it's not just if you cut and paste from what you've written. Mm. And there were ways of putting pauses in there with the syntax. Okay, that okay, so they are adding some of the features that I've talked about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I thought it was, so I looked at it and I went away and I went, goodness, that is really good. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good and I was quite impressed. They, they've just raised um, a Series C round, uh, I think in, NVIDIA, obviously the AI mm. uh, GPU, you know, the, the, they are a big investor. Um, and I think they're officially a unicorn now because they've raised it to a point where they're like a billion dollar valuation. So you can call them in the, in the unicorn club. So c congrats, uh, boys, on, on, on that. Um, what, what's your take, Graham, on, on Synthesia? Yeah, that, I was impressed as well. Um, I think the for me, I expected to find the video a, a bit um, janky, like, but actually it was really smooth and actually the, the avatar and the video side w was really quite natural. It, it was the voice that wasn't quite there for me. It was a little bit still computer generated, but perfectly passable. You could definitely use that and, you know, make great use. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I couldn't play the voice um, on this just because yeah. I uh, didn't want to get striked. But if people are listening and want to search Symphasia, it's worth checking out. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not affiliated in, in any way. Um, what, one thing that did come to mind is 
this could replace jobs for like news readers and TV presenters. I did another segment on the pod uh, a few episodes back on this very subject where there was a company in uh, because a, a TV station in Kuwait who have been using a AI generated uh, something like this mm-hmm. called Fedha, who has replaced a news anchor at their uh, their broadcasting station. I'm not sure if it's Symphasia or, or a competitor, but they were um, they were basically reading out the headlines because some news like journalism you kind of need an opinion like if you've got like a took a Carlson or someone you need like 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 you know their, their perspective their take on it but if it's just like hey here's a breaking headlines for today and it's just reading it out like a boring sky tv bbc presenter or something or some like legacy media like you could um you could replace that with with this you know type in what the headlines are or just use gpt to to, to scour the net and gather them and then just read it out on the screen and obviously play b-roll on top showing the the clips so this could replace like news readers like tv presenters and that sort of thing do you see that as a reality am i thinking too far ahead what, what what's your take uh, nick on, on that side of the coin i think on, with, with news news readers i think that it's a spontaneity that they could provide when something happens i mean like yesterday we saw with the when we found out about the the sub imploding on itself, oh, with the Titan- Titanic, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was all very quick, and it was put up on the news quite quickly. Um, so that aspect of it, I haven't really got my head round. I guess what I was looking at it for was more, you know, if you want to get a presentation out there, or you want to, if you've got a large team of people, then it's a great tool to be able to do that. But then again, at the same time, I'm also the type of person that would rather when you're doing something like an all hands, speak myself mm-hmm. and take it on board. But, you know, it would be a good way of getting company messages across. But then again, that's what the video's there for. So, mm. yeah, I, I I loved the technology. I thought the technology was really good. And I thought it was much, it was much, much better than I was expecting. Yeah. What, what's your take, Graham? Yeah, I think um, I perhaps similar to some of the other conversations we had around, like, job replacement, I think, you know, as you mentioned, the, the big personalities in in news reading and broadcasting, I think they become a premium, mm. and, and I don't I don't see this replacing that. But um, for 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 other applications, that sort of budget, just get the news out there. Yeah, maybe um, I could see that I could see that happening. Um, yeah, we, we, I think we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. I mean, it'll probably be a hybrid one. It won't completely yeah. replace them, but um, all the bad ones will be replaced. The ones that are just reading from <laughs> yeah. a script, um, which is probably most of them. Well, one thing that this, this tech does terrify me a little bit is around deep fakes, because you could very easily, I think you can upload avatars. Like you know, I I have done hundreds of hours of podcasts, so you can upload a thing of me and make me say anything, and uh, and I don't really uh, I don't really care that much because you know if it's from my profile, you know it's me. Um, but that, that that could obviously just be an easy way of escaping it hey i didn't say that because i didn't tweet that out so it's not what wasn't me you know um but yeah i I could see this being used to make politicians say anything uh to make you know your political or business rivals you know talk badly about products about people about controversial topics um I could see it being used heavily in politics and, and like like you know uh, cyber warfare and and that sort of thing and making millions of fake social media accounts or posting something simultaneously to try and thread a false narrative into mm. into a subject. Um, what what were your takes on the deep fake side of the the, the coin? What what do you think, Graham? Yeah, I think um, if we consider technology over the ages, the, there's always been things that come along and and there's always a threat there and a, and an opportunity to to use it for. Um, nefarious gains. Um, 
and I think each time we, we come up with ways of dealing with that, I, I don't know what the answers are in, in this case, but you know, I, I guess I believe in the, in the positivity and, and we'll, we'll find a way of, of handling that. Okay, so you're optimistic. Yeah. You think it will happen, but you're optimistic about the outcome. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen. I think there's no question about that. The technology's there. It, it will get used and, and people will try and abuse it as well. Yeah. But I think we'll find ways of, of dealing with that. Yeah, I mean, the obvious way for me would just be like like a watermark or a stamp mm-hmm. on it or or even just obviously having like a verified tick like, like Elon suggested yeah. that you pay for that. Because I don't know if you'd pay to, you know, a couple of pounds a month to spread false information if you're doing it on scale it'd be quite expensive projects i mean you, you still could do it but um the deep fakes would just be making mr musk even richer and richer um maybe he's onto something um <laughs> what, what, what do you think uh, nick on deep fake side yeah it's it's a worry isn't it it's certainly something that it's it's certainly food for thought um it could happen like now it's not like some yeah. futuristic thing that that could happen now yeah similar to what i was saying about absolutely like, yeah abs- listen absolutely yeah. it's it's one of those things I'm with Graham on this. I'm going to have to look at this from a very optimistic perspective and say that you know it's going to be used for the right reason. Um, and I've just probably shot myself in the foot by saying that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it will be. Um, yeah. I'm sure some phase you have some way of banning people if they're using it and they, they catch on to it. And maybe they'll have some way of tracking what goes out before it goes out but i don't know this this seems uh it seems like an amazing tool which has the power for so much good but also the power for so much destruction um but yeah well we know the social media companies aren't very good at tracking these people are they no not really no 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 no. i mean just just recently um instagram have have finally uh clamped down on uh on nefarious activities um which have been going on for, for a long 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 time um which they just kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say they turned a blind eye to it, but it hasn't been a priority of, mm. of theirs. Um, anyway, uh, Stefan, Victor, if you're listening, would love to take, get your side of the story on on why this uh, won't lead to the end of the world. We'll, we'll, we'll see what you say. Um, cool. All right. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, chaps. Good to get your Thank perspectives you. into what's happening in the world of tech. Apple Vision Pro, AI, robotics. What else? Talked about a lot today, haven't we? Rishi. Rishi. Everything. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you all next time. Hey, thanks for watching this podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, comment, etc., etc. And I'll see you in the next episode.